Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. Hello, everyone. It is I, Lindsey Brown, your podcast host here on the Nightcap, always and forever. What a time to be alive. Just trying to check when the last time we technically recorded this. I think it was... Uh, game five of Colorado versus the Golden Knights in which, you know, they were down two to nothing and the series is tied two to two. They're up in Denver. They're heading into that third period and they make a, a, a storming comeback in that third to tie it up and then end up winning in overtime on the abs ice, which was the first time that a team had won on the road and really cracked that series open. I didn't really see how they could head home to T-Mobile Arena in Game 6 and lose, especially after losing to the Avalanche in their building with the President's Trophy on the line just a couple of weeks prior. Like Once you got past the point of winning on their ice... It was, it, it almost seemed destinal. It, it almost seemed like it was kind of meant to be. And at that point, the Avalanche were so, so shell-shocked, so out of their own uh, hockey identity that there wasn't that much fight left to put up. And so it's, at this point, almost a week later, I don't know, what day was that on? I need to look at this feed. I need to figure this feed out. Hold on. It was last Wednesday when I posted that. It's crazy how much has transpired in just these few days. I mean, the Knights have even had uh, a few days off in between the completion of their series with the Colorado Avalanche and the start of their series with the Montreal Canadiens, which got underway last night. Your Golden Knights are now the proud owners of a one to nothing series lead. And that game, outside of the first 10 minutes in which Montreal brought a whole lot of energy, a lot of speed, they were forechecking the hell out of the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights themselves were turning a lot of pucks over high in their defensive zone right when they're just about to break it out. And then all of a sudden Montreal was finding ways to disrupt it and send it back down below. And the Knights just didn't have a ton of offensive zone pressure. But Marc-Andre Fleury, who you know had a couple of goals that I'm sure he would have liked to have back in that Colorado Avalanche series, but still, you get the job done. Who gives a shit at this point because it's the playoffs? He comes up so big in those opening 10 minutes and throughout the entire game in which he wasn't really needed, you know, the entire time, but he was called upon at the beginning and very much so at the end. Although they only had that 3-1 to lead through, you know, most of the, the third period, 
it felt like a bigger lead. But we got to go through each one of these goals and kind of what transpired. And we're going to get into it on the Playmakers live show today. I mean, we're live each and every day, weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. on CBS Sports Radio 1140. And you can find all of our podcasts on the same feed. Well, not the same feed, but the same neighborhood, the same street, the same zip code as this podcast feed you're listening to here. We appreciate you listening to the Nightcap and walking through each and every um, playoff game with us as the Golden Knights march to their goal of winning the Stanley Cup. So let's start from that beginning. As I said, that opening 10 minutes was a really impressive start for the for the Habs, to be totally honest, especially since, you know, they're coming off a sweep of the Winnipeg Jets. They've had a few days off. They're coming into a building in which they haven't seen this many people together in one room in over a year and a half. I mean, they just started, I think the first game they allowed fans back into, into Bell Center was that Game 7 game against Toronto. And we're talking like 2,500 people here. So obviously things are different here down in the States. But the Habs were bringing that pressure, that aggression early. Um, They had a power play chance early, and they like to set up that power play with a high umbrella. So those two guys on the wings that are just to the left and right of their defenseman at the top, um, they're sitting up a little bit higher in the zone, which was odd because a lot of their puck movement – uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, we like to move our puck on the power play at the top of that zone. Like, if we're running a high umbrella, it's perfect there. But the Habs like to keep it down low. They really like to cycle that puck, you know, from one sideboard to the other below that goal line. And I actually think that's a very smart way to play. It might just be the way that they play. Maybe they saw some tape in terms of how to attack the Golden Knights, how to attack Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, it's going to be really tough to beat him, but a really good area to start is to attack those posts because his post integration is just so fluid, so old school that there's not really a consistent thing. And so you can get some wonky rebounds if you try to stuff it short side or if he's standing up with his post against or his leg against that post and the puck pops out up front. Like you can create chaotic um, environments and situations. And that's really what you're trying to do with Flower is is create that kind of pressure cooker and hope that he starts oversliding, overcommitting to saves, doing too much. But he was right on that edge through that first 10 minutes before the Golden Knights figured things out. Because as I said, all the momentum is heading towards the Montreal Canadiens until there's a face-off in their offensive zone where the Golden Knights have not spent a lot of time because they were spending a lot of time trying to break the puck out and it wasn't going super well. But off that face-off, pucks goes to the half wall. It's one back to Braden McNabb, and he sends it to one Mr. Shea Theodore, who we are so happy was able to get his first playoff goal of the season asked to take a much different role, a much more shutdown defensive role in this playoff season, much different from last playoff season in which he, I think, was pretty damn close to the leader in goals for this team. But you have that kind of great bang, simple win back to McNabb, who sends it to Theodore, who just steps into a clapper against the grain and beats uh, Price high short side. I think it was a really great screen by Mark Stone. If you notice on the replay, he kind of gets pushed right before Theo steps into that shot. Regardless, he has created that screen with his body and the body of the Montreal Canadiens D, who is now tasked with covering him. Price doesn't see it, and he actually kind of cheats and starts trying to find where the puck is uh, to his left side. You can kind of see his weight going over. It's it's a tough thing because goalies. That's the down. That's down to the minutia that we talk about. I'm like, should I be looking over the left side of somebody's hip or the right side of somebody's hip? And at that time, he decided to cheat a little bit over left. I don't even think that Price sees the shot go off, and he just gets beat uh, to that high short side. And all of that momentum that Montreal built up 
is completely gone. And all of a sudden, Vegas is like, oh, yeah, we're still here. And this is way, the way we want to play. And so in that second half of the first period, the, the Golden Knights started winning puck battles in their own end. They're not coughing the puck up high on breakouts. They've tightened it up, and Flurry is dialed the F in. Literally what I have written down and highlighted in my notes that I took in the building last night, which was incredibly loud per usual. Uh, don't expect anything less from T-Mobile Arena. Um, we go to the second period. You have a, a late power play in the first that carries over, I think, 20 seconds into that second frame. But then there's another penalty called on Montreal, and that became kind of the theme for that second period. There's a lot of marching to that naughty chair. But they take a, a puck over the glass penalty. We know all about that, those delay of games, just seven seconds into the period. And all of a sudden there's a five-on-three with more a, a full-blown extended five-on-four. The Golden Knights have to find a way to solve this, the best PK in the playoff season, which is the Montreal Canadiens, and they're not able to do it in the time that they're on the advantage. But as the penalty expires and as their their um, advantage, as, as Montreal tries to send their guy back into their defensive zone to help, broken play puck pops right out to Theodore at right in the slot at the top of the key. He fakes stepping into a shot just like that goal that he had scored just a few minutes earlier. Gets Price to bite and butterfly down before dishing to Martinez on the weak side seam back door. So that umbrella power play, you know, he's he's to the right of Theodore. And Theo just steps into it. Or not Theo. Marty just steps into it because that's what he does. He's quick release guy and he beats Price, who, as I said, had already committed to a butterfly. That's enough time and space to give up um, to uh, uh, an elite scorer and uh, elite shooter and one with as much experience as Martinez has in these big time minutes. And that goal happens just two minutes into the second period. That sets the tone with tons of trips to the penalty box, as I said. And then, basically, Carey Price has to go to work. Like, eh, Vegas was really all over them in that second period. And it was weird with how many, how much aggression we saw from these teams early on. There were so many big scrums after the whistle, a few big-time hits. Hell, even Petro got absolutely destroyed early in that first period when he was trying to take that puck down in the offensive zone uh, alone on a, on a change because that's what he does. He does a really good job of buying the Golden Knights' time by being able to take that puck down low, possess, and kind of fend off a couple of guys and, and get that full change. But Shea Weber just stepped up to, into him and, and just absolutely destroyed him. And there were a few hits. You could tell that guys were starting to line each other up. They were trying to tee each other up. And you're like, well, are you setting the tone because you don't know each other very well? Or is it more of Montreal trying to recapture some momentum, trying to get themselves back into a game in which they started out so well, but now all of a sudden they found, find themselves you know, down two to nothing early on into the second period. And Price makes a few huge saves, but none bigger than that two-on-one. It wasn't really a two-on-one. It was more of like Pacioretty and Stone with a full head of steam and three Montreal Canadiens trying to catch up with them and just kind of clogging up the middle, not actually doing anything, like putting their stick in the lane to defend a perfectly placed pass from Pacioretty across uh, the slot to hit Stone back door, but Price is just, you know, a half millimeter better and snares it out of the air with his glove. Like a textbook, absolute larcenous save. Uh, one would uh, one would see at this stage of the game from that goaltender. 
And it should be 3 nothing at that point. But as those penalties start to swirl around, eventually legs get tired, right? Eventually plays get broken. And Cole Caulfield gets his very first playoff goal of his career on the power play about 12 minutes into that second period. Fleury actually robs him on the exact same backdoor look on the previous save, se- previous save sequence just seconds earlier. But once that puck is reset, it's set back up to the top um, defenseman for Montreal. It goes, he sends it back down to the half wall before they go back down on the goal line, there's somebody waiting there on the doorstep. He sends it right out into the front, in the middle, in the slot. Guy gets a great shot off, hits Flurry in his low, far right pad, so that rebound goes right to the spray. That's what my coach called it in college, where if you're trying to shoot for goal, shoot for rebounds off the pads and those leg p- pillows are real juicy things to bounce pucks off of, you get in that spray, which is where the that area where the puck bounces off into. And Flurry had too much momentum moving out towards that initial shot from the slot where it causes enough of a delay where he can't get backdoor to stop Caulfield, who steps into that, as I said, in that exact same spot um, that he was robbed from just seconds earlier. And it's 2-1, to one, and you're like, all right, like... Yeah, remember, it's two-goal lead doesn't mean jack shit in hockey. Like, literally, we eat those things for breakfast as Vegas Golden Knights fans and, and the players themselves. But luckily, one thing that the Vegas Golden Knights have developed in this postseason that has served them incredibly well is their ability to respond and to respond on the scoreboard. And that's exactly what they do. Caulfield scores that goal. And then less than 53 seconds later, 53 seconds exactly later, the Golden Knights score again off of face-off play, Janmark gets a garbage goal on the back door. Just from that face-off, VGK wins that back to White Cloud, who hits Tuck on that strong side half wall. He literally just sends that puck to that far right side pack or pad low, so Price's blocker side. Janmark finds a way to work his stick around the Montreal defender and tips it past Price back door before he can even push over there. Like he has no time whatsoever just like that first goal with Theodore it's a bang bang play and all of a sudden it's three to one and you've sucked all of the momentum and wind out of the sails for the for the Montreal Canadiens again at least they scored a goal that time in the opening 10 no goals nothing but saves but they get a goal in the advantage like hell yeah we're in this game it's two to one and less than a minute later you get this type of goal. And that's a workman-type goal. That's the second goal off a face-off, which is incredibly demoralizing uh, as a team and as a player and as a goaltender. I mean, these guys know how to handle it. But it's just, then then there's a pattern, right? Then this is, if you haven't noticed a pattern here, it's all about this defensive coverage in the for the Montreal Canadiens. And we'll have to see what they bring back for, for game two and, 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 and what's kind of adjusted. But once it's three to one, a few minutes pass it should have been six to one after two and you go to the third period about 10 minutes in the third period nick holden who now has two two playoff goals scored one of the biggest goals against minnesota scored one of the biggest goals against colorado in game six scored the opening goal in colorado um but montreal gets caught running around their own d zone carlson wins a puck battle in the corner sends that puck back up to riley smith who finds a little bit of a of a dead area Remember, with Carlson down in that corner winning that battle, he has one guy that is he's tied up with, including another Montreal defenseman that's right around the goal line that's there to support. So he has two. When he sends that puck back up to Riley Smith, Riley Smith is in between two 
other other Montreal Canadiens, those two forwards. And as you, if you watch, they kind of all start going towards Riley Smith. They're all puck watching. They're all like saying, we're going to go get to him. But Nick Holden sees all this open space in the slot on the left side of the zone. And Riley Smith, being the distributor that he is, hits Holden as he steps down. And there's really no chance for Price to get over and 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 stop that puck because I don't think he sees the the pass go off of Riley Smith's stick to begin with because he was still down on that post. He even gave his defenseman a little bit of a of a love tap in the butt because he was screening him. By the time that puck gets to Holden and he's finishing that on the on the far side back door past uh, uh, the weak side defenseman who's trying to get in the shooting lane, there's really no chance and. You know, that 2 nothing lead before Caulfield scored felt, like, bigger than what the score indicated. And then, you know, they fight their way back. And then you have the response. Like, outside of that opening 10 minutes, the puck movement for the Vegas Golden Knights was, was, was unbelievable. The passing was, was great. There was physical support, especially in that offensive zone. And they really settled in. And it, you can't discount the big time saves that Marc-Andre Fleury made in those opening minutes and then down the stretch in the third period as well because three to one four to one I mean that's nothing nothing in in terms of a lead too and and Montreal has had games in which they've gone out to the lead coughed it up and then found their way back into the win column and, and we know how their uh how their ability is to fight back their way in series in general because they were down three to one of the Maple Leafs and guess who's <laughs> two rounds later and so I don't want to get overhyped or overpumped about the game one win because it really was a solid win and I've had several people text me and be like wow this thing's gonna be over quickly I mean hell I'm even looking at the playmakers kind of rundown sheet that Paul and I make ahead of the show and what we use to kind of follow along of what are we talking about for this segment what are we talking about next like what's the what's where's the article and hit in segment two at 3 18 p.m um again we're recording this on Tuesday June 15th the Golden Knights should wrap this up this weekend. I'm going to have to quell some things because it's one game. Like, we were down 2 nothing to the Avs, and, and you got to just – it's a different puzzle each and every night. But if you watched last night, I'd be very pleased as a Vegas Golden Knights fan. I'd be very pleased as a Vegas Golden Knights player considering how much kind of topsy-turviness there was, especially through that second period with so many penalties called. There was a lot of physicality. They didn't overdo it. That's always a very fine line as well, especially with the fourth lines that are involved between these two teams. We're talking, you know, Kyrie, Revo, and Kolasar versus, where's their lineup here? Armia, Stahl, and Perry. Let me tell you about Corey Perry and Eric Stahl. These guys are mean muckers. They are. They are just not nice guys on the ice. I'm sure they're awesome people away from this. You hear great things about both of them. But they are mean in the corners. They are. They will chop you in the back of your ankle to try to get you to, to uh, hobble a little bit. They will dust up with you. They will answer each and every bell. And so when you have those kind of twin flames between those fourth lines, you can understand or even see how things could get quite out of hand pretty quickly. But the Golden Knights were able to kind of toe that line. And as I said yesterday in our three to five keys, hey, if we're going to the box, we got to take one of them with us. Because as long as we're not the only ones going, that is the business that we are in besides, you know, winning the hockey games, which the Golden Knights have now done in seven straight. No. Game three, game four, game five, game six. Oh, God. This is where my goalie brain and all the concussions. 
game <laughs> game three, game four, game five, game six, game one. So five in a row. They've won five games in a row. That's very impressive. Like, that's very impressive in the playoffs. And they're going to have to bring a, a similar workman mentality, the compartmentalization mentality that they've done so well, and, and keep bringing that response. Because, honestly, I really think that has been the biggest kind of shift in regular season Vegas Golden Knights hockey versus postseason Vegas Golden Knights hockey besides the play in front of Marc-Andre Fleury in the in the slot, in just in front of that crease, and how much better the Golden Knights defensemen and forwards, for that matter, are doing picking up bodies and sticks and supporting Mark Andre Fleury in the in the flurries that do uh, take place in front of him. Besides that, it's that ability to respond and to respond quickly. There is nothing more debilitating than thinking you have a you have a chance because you just scored, you just you know cut a lead in half, and less than a minute in, it's all that that lead that was that you just cut into is now restored back to its its full health, and. You know, it, it, Marshy's been able to get it done. Um, in that case, it was Jan Mark and Tuck. I thought Alex Tuck had an unbelievable game. He he had a he had a couple of goals that didn't go in last night. But you can tell that they wanted to play with pace. They wanted to play with speed, and to get these guys moving. And so that's why I think there was a lot of extracurricular activity in that second period to try to slow this game down. To try to, you know, get. Vegas playing whistle the whistle off faceoffs, but that didn't work out well for Montreal either. Like that was, I it's been a while since I've seen two goals right off the faceoff like that. And I, that's like kind of a, a trend for the Golden Knights in general as of late. And so Golden Knights are finding uh, multiple ways to get it done, multiple ways to get goals in the net to beat Carey Price, and he was masterful last night. Like honestly, it should have been about six to one, and it's just that he's. That's how that series is competitive for them, is if he turns into to goalie Jesus, and he's fully capable, completely fully capable. But the Golden Knights might just be a little bit too talented, a little bit too heavy-handed, and if you keep sending guys to the box and taxing the legs on the wrong people, especially their defensemen, which are very experienced, um, are very weathered, are very physical, but then you have you know younger guys that are trying to play minutes either on the power on the penalty kill or, you know, in the shifts following those kills. And sometimes you get the wrong matchup and it ends up in the back of your net. It just, the margin of error is so, so slim. And they're the biggest underdog remaining in the playoffs. And so it's going to take a lot for the Montreal Canadiens to find a way to beat the Golden Knights once, let alone four times. But, yeah, they have another opportunity tomorrow. Um, and uh, hopefully I haven't gotten too much into a lot of the content that I'm going to be talking about for the Playmakers today. But we will include all of those segments as we have been through this playoff season. Anytime we talk about hockey, we put it on this nightcap feed. So share it with your friends, share it with your neighbors, share it with your coworkers that you're just seeing for the first time in a year and a half, at least in a, in a physical form. This is a good kind of bridge between you and all the people as we all learn how to coexist in a physical proximity with one another once again appreciate all of you guys listening to the nightcap we will have more content throughout the week otherwise have a hell of a time and uh yeah we'll see you guys later bye okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.